Welcome to Where Brains Meet Beauty, hosted by Jody Katz, founder and creative director of Base Beauty Creative Agency. Hey there, it's Jody Katz, your host for Where Brains Meet Beauty podcast. Thanks for joining us today. This week's episode features Mike Marquis. He's the president of Vogue International. He's worked his entire career at J&J, and he was introduced to me through Carla Ruiz, who also is at J&J and um, has also been a guest of our podcast. So I hope you enjoy this episode. And if you missed it, last week's episode featured Taryn Toomey. She's founder of The Class, and this was our first episode of our podcast and residence series at Saks Fifth Avenue's flagship in New York City. So if you missed it, please check out that episode as well. Thanks and enjoy the shows. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the show. I am super excited to be sitting with Mike Marquis, president of Vogue International. Welcome to Where Brains Meet Beauty. Happy to be here. I'm so happy that you're visiting us from Florida. Yeah. And today might be the first snowstorm of the season, so welcome. I, I'm going to leave right <laughs> after this to try to get back to the warm. Um, okay, so then tell us, how, how are you spending your day today other than being with us and heading to the airport? Um, well, obviously building the business, a lot of the media companies and our media partners are here in the city, and so we do spend a lot of time here uh, partnering at a meeting this morning with Google, and um, we'll be meeting with our media agency later today. But, um, you know, the world still does run through New York as it relates to media. Um, well, we're happy to see you again because you used to be based here. Yep. Um, the company Vogue International was bought by J&J like two years ago, about two years ago? Two years. Yep. Um, but you spent your whole career at J&J, so right. I want to list out the brands that I slew through your LinkedIn. You can tell me if anything's missing. Johnson's Baby, Band-Aid, Listerine, Neosporin, Dusitin, Manual Toothbrushes and Whitening, which for some reason didn't have brand names associated with it on your LinkedIn, Aveeno, Clean and Clear, Shower to Shower, yeah. which I don't know if I know what Shower to Shower is. It's a powder. It's a, oh, okay. Yeah. Purpose. Um, and that's all that I found. Did sure. I miss any? Uh, Ambi went back in the day, which was a great beauty brand that we had, but we, we've since sold. But yes, that's, uh, that's a pretty comprehensive list you got there. Um, so I think it's it's super fun for me to look at, you know, as an outsider into your career because um, obviously it shows me that you can navigate through J&J easily, mm -hmm. right? If you want to grow and sure. if you're ambitious. Yeah. Um, how easy was it to navigate that culture to get where you wanted to go and have these experiences? Yeah, I mean, I think Johnson Johnson puts a big, you know, emphasis on talent and development. And so um, while you have to, usually the harder part is determining what you want to do versus, you know, the, the organization. Um, I think there's a lot of great leaders and processes to make sure that people can kind of develop. Um, usually the harder part is when you sit across the table and ask somebody, what do you, what do you want to do? Uh, them having a really strong kind of foundation of what that is. Um, I've had some great mentors who've given me good advice, um, such as, you know, there's a lot of things you want to do. They don't have to happen in a certain order. You can, you know, experiment and do things in global marketing or local or work in certain franchises, or certain businesses. And many times we think it's a algorithm that has to happen in a certain order, and, and it really doesn't. So um, this is really stunning for me to see. And we talked about this um, on our call because, I mean, I've been a an owner of my own company for many years now, so I don't yeah. even really know what it's like to be in sure. a corporate culture um, every day anymore. But even going back early in my career, I worked at um, Condé Nast for like a minute. Right. And I had a very low-level, challenging job of being the assistant to the editor-in-chief of Grammar Magazine. And I wasn't good at it, and I didn't like it. Mm -hmm. So um, as a naive 20, early 20-year-old, 20 I went to HR and said, I'm really into food. I'm not into this. Like, right. can, I, can we move me over? Right. By the time 
time I left the HR office and got back in the elevator to get to my desk at Glamour, I was fired. Oh, wow. So, like, right. to me, it's like, oh, my God, I can't even believe that you can actually do this. Sure, I sort of sure. feel as naive about it as yeah. I did back then. But yeah. it's so nice to see that um, there really are companies that, like, let their talent grow and evolve. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, um, you know, it's a pretty supportive culture. And I think, um, you know, you need to kind of, I think, as a leader, kind of foster some of those interests. And you have to realize that if people's interests don't align to what the company wants, you know, it's not going to work out over the long term. So, right. so how many years has it been? 22. And um, at what mark do you start getting, like, the, the globe or the... <laughs> <laughs> There is every five years you get the uh, the email that right now goes. It used to be to a you know pamphlet of you know select your pens and your uh, your coffee mugs, and uh, now it's an online online site where I think I got a mountain bike last time or something like that. So they've gotten a little bit cooler in terms of the uh, in terms of the awards they give you. Yeah, that's awesome. Is it like a Johnson Johnson branded bike? No. <laughs> But they just, they make sure you get a pen that comes along with it. So oh, that's cool. That it does have Johnson & Johnson on it, but yes. I um, think it's really sweet that companies yeah. still do sure. this kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. Um, okay, so um, let's talk about Vogue. Um, Vogue owns a lot of brands, but we might not all know what those brands are. Yeah. Tell yeah. us. So yeah, um, Vogue uh, International, which we bought two years ago, um, is uh, the makers of OGX, which is um, the fastest growing hair care brand in the world right now. And uh, recognized by WWD as the number one most powerful hair care brand, so we're very proud, and it's really the, the crown jewel that we uh, that we saw when we purchased the business. Um, Maui Moisture, which was launched in 2017, um, and uh, most recently, just hitting the shelves now, we've uh, we've launched the Avino Hair Care line. Oh, that's cool. Mm -hmm. So, um, talk. Let's talk about OGX because they um, the brand is like, I mean, it's like every shelf. Sure. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, obviously, this is the strategy, right? Like yep. dominate the shelves and buy yep. the shelf space. Yep. Um, what is the what is the consumer experience when they walk into the store and they've never heard of the brand or maybe they haven't seen social but they just yeah. see it occupying so much space? What does that say to them? Yeah. I mean, one of the things about it that we're trying to achieve, which I think is very different, is you know we want it to be ubiquitous. We'd like it to be you know a, a very large brand, but it's still a brand of discovery. People don't, for the most part, know OGX as a brand. They know the squatty little bottle with the gold cap and argan oil and coconut milk, and they as they go to the shelf they end up playing and discovering. They open the cap, they smell the fragrances, they look at the benefits. And part of what we want to do is, well, we do want to grow and we want to be, you know, uh, a really force within hair care overall. Um, we don't want to lose, lose that indie brand status that people interact with the brand with. So, um, you know, in most cases when I talk to consumers, I have to go through the, you know, when you say OGX and they kind of squint at you and you explain it's a small bottle with a gold cap and they go, oh, I have that in my shower. I know what it is. I love those products. Right. So they probably just shop by color. They shop by color. They look at the benefits. Mm -hmm. They see the ingredients pop out. Um, and we get a lot of social um, sharing and word of mouth. And I, I think that's something that's really special that we're working to preserve. What does OGX mean? Um, OGX was, a, at one point, the brand was called Organics. Uh -huh. And the, the, the name needed to change. And so they shortened it to OGX. Mm -hmm. So you 
lived in the New York area for many years. Yes, right? Bucks County, Pennsylvania. Actually. Oh, Bucks County. Oh, wow, you had yes. a commute. Uh, well, our offices are outside of Princeton. Oh, okay. Yes. So is that like a 45-minute drive? Uh, about that. Mm-hmm. And then you picked up the family and moved to Florida. We did, yes. So, um, you know, for many of our listeners might be actually thinking about relocating. Sure. Um, what types of things do you need to think about, especially when there's a family involved, right, when you're not just one person? Yeah, you know, we have two teenage daughters, uh, Julia, who's 15, and Lauren, who's 13. And so usually they are, like a lot of parents, those end up being the first priority. So looking at schools and location and their activities and, you know, where they're going to be, where they're going to be happy um, usually is the first priority. I, I had the ability, I was commuting down, the, the purchase of the company came very quickly, um, so for the first year I was commuting down uh, on a regular basis. and. You know, the course of the year, you were able to look at schools and locations and find where you know we would be happy. And and um, you know, and a lot of times as you go and you relocate as a family, um, one of the things that is really you know you think about change and some of that is scary. But there's a real positive time when you go into a new location and you don't really know anybody. And your time as a family, you spend a lot more time together as a family, which I think is also a pretty cool part of the experience. And so um, everybody settled in now. We're entering our second year in school down there, and we have friends and. Activities and back to the normal, you know, taxing them around uh, all the time. So were the girls? Um, did they have a sort of an adventurous spirit and attitude around it, or were they like? Yeah, yeah I think so. Feeling dragged down yeah, by this. Yeah, I mean, change is change is tough, but uh, um, but I think as we got into it and we started, you know, exploring around town and hitting different restaurants and trying new things, I think they uh, they have a pretty good pretty good spirit about it. They've you know had the opportunity to travel a bunch throughout their life, and so. I think they, um, you know, I think they have a pretty you know, mature view on what change needed to happen. And uh, do they miss the snow and they miss New York? Absolutely. And so we've uh, we've done some reverse spring breaks where everybody's heading south and we're heading north to hit uh, hit some shows in Broadway. But uh, but you know, but they'll still be connected back to this you know this area. So um, let's talk about you um, making friends actually in a new place, right? Because when my kids were really little, it was easy to make new friends because I was friends with the moms sure, and dads. Yeah. Of those yeah. babies we were hanging out with, yeah. um, and I think it's really actually hard to make friendships sure. as an adult. Yeah. So how did how do you do that in a new place? Like it's sort of the, the kids get school, right? So they have these opportunities. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you still make friends, I think, through parents, even if you come in, you know, later. And mm-hmm. so we've had a chance to chance to do that. Uh, my wife and I are pretty active. So between you know our uh, our gym, I'm a cyclist, and you know usually go on rides with a, a group on Saturday mornings and go back to the bike shop and grab a beer or a cup of coffee and so you you know through common interests I think you end up mm-hmm. finding people who, uh, who you can connect with. So I want to um, talk about fitness because that's what we talked about um, on our call that you make time for this. Sure. Right? Yes. Um, what time are you waking up in the morning? I, I wake well I, I travel quite a bit so it depends you know but if I was you know at home for the week uh, I wake up at about five. And that's your time to like go on your ride or run or whatever it is that you're doing? Uh, yeah I'm more of a morning workout person so um, um, I have a pretty set kind of regimen that includes cycling, running, and weights. And so uh, depending on the day is a, a different workout. But, uh, yeah. And how many years have you been like dedicated to this as your time? Um, well, I was a collegiate rower, and so I think the 5 a.m. workout uh, was 
beaten into me uh, for four years of, of rowing in, uh, in college. So I would say since I was about 18. Wow, that is amazing. Yeah. Um, I'm this type of person where through the years I've sort of like evolved. It used to be the morning and mm-hmm. then no, it was night right. and then it was nothing. And yeah. <laughs> now it's, um, yeah, I definitely like morning better. Yeah. I know I'm getting it done, um, but I'm not dedicated to 5 a.m. wake up call. Um, <laughs> although I've started to do like 6 a.m. classes and start really like it because I get so much more time sure, yeah. in my day. Yeah, no, it's great. And, you know, it's a, it's also a good thing about the work environment at J&J because they have a, a mission of being the healthiest workforce in, you know, in the world. And so we uh, we have exercise reimbursement for programs. So the Vogue office is rather small. We don't have a gym, but most of our large facilities have a gym. And, and um, you know, we have a, a major initiative at even our place around, you know, the food that we have in the office and there's fresh fruit there and things like that that really kind of enable that. So it's, it's nice because you end up surrounding yourself with people who are on the same mission. So I didn't even realize that when a company says, like, we want to be a healthy company, that, like, they actually put it into effect. I just sort of thought sure. it was words. Yeah. Um, so um, how how do your other team members help facilitate this, right? Because it's very easy for that fruit bowl to turn into piles of cookies and candy. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, well, we have a couple of folks who lead the initiative and end up spending a lot of time making sure the communication is out there and, and uh, reminding folks uh, about it. Um, and then, you know, we're a tribal species. And so when we have folks who say they're going to go to Orange Theory, they're going to go to a gym together, folks will end up gravitating toward that. Um, and then, you know, when you go and people are sitting down and they're having their lunch and they see that everybody else is eating healthy, they have a tendency to change their habits as well. And so um, quite proud, even as we came into Vogue and there was a lot of folks who came in from J&J who had grown up through that culture. I think we've changed a lot of people's lives for the better um, as they watch, you know, what uh, the impact of healthy living means to to them. Mm-hmm. So um, why was Vogue International a great acquisition for J&J? What, what was appealing about it for them? In the major case, we are, we are a really strong company in beauty overall at J&J, but it's mainly in skincare. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we were subscale within hair care. We had a couple brands that had played with it. Uh, immediately with the acquisition of Vogue, we went from number eight in hair care to number four. Wow. Um, and OJX being the largest uh, the largest brand. Um, and so it, it rounds out our beauty portfolio to be much more competitive across the two major areas of the beauty category. Um, so let's talk about a little life-work balance because we talked about um, how you carve out time for fitness. But you're traveling a lot and mm-hmm. the first year of working in this company, you were traveling back and forth all the time. Sure. So, um, you know, I'm the, of this philosophy, like I, I can do it all but not all at the same time. Yeah. Um, how do you make time for the things that are really important to you mm-hmm. when um, you know you don't always have control over like where you are at sure. every moment. Sure. Well, I you know I have a lot of help, so I you know I, I, you know shout out to all the people who help me make sure that I do have the right time and I'm in the right place, um, both you know at work and at home. Um, the uh, I have two amazing kind of project managers and my wife Jennifer and, and Sherry who helps out and sets up times like this to make sure that we're in the right place at the right time. Um, but I think also you have to be realistic of what you can accomplish. Um, I'm a big believer in, um, you know, the, the fallacy of multitasking. And, um, you know, when you're somewhere, you're focused in on doing what that is. And that includes your family and yourself and your work. And, um, and so there are times where, you know, you're going to spend time focusing on each one of those, but you need to be all in during those times. And, um, and it's, I think we live in a world now where, you know, the, you know, work does permeate, I think, each day of the week. 
week for me, but um, you know, on the weekends or different times, it's you know, it's cut down in terms of the amount of hours. But um, you know, I am up at five a.m. so I can get some things done before everybody else wakes up. Teenage daughters are not up at five a.m. Right, right. <laughs> so um, I want to talk about my experience with Paulina away from work. Like, I feel like my but at the end of the day, yesterday is a good example. I work from home. I'm on calls all day. Very productive day. And then six o'clock rolls around. I'm ready to go make dinner and be with the kids. But my body still craves my email. Mm, right. Like I feel like it's um, wanting to know what's happening in my email. Sure. I mean, this is like, it sounds kind of crazy as I unravel sure. it, yeah. but like I, I can feel like in my body, like my muscles and my heart and other parts, like longing for it. Right, right. Um, and I've actually noticed that when I want to be doing email, but I am making dinner. I mean, I don't yeah. really want to be checking email. I mean, sure. nothing going to be there. Right, I mean, right. like there's an emergency, someone's going to find me. But um, th- there's this like craving for the, I guess, the attention that my email is giving me all day that I um, am battling against, even though my whole point in being an entrepreneur is so that I don't have to do that. Sure. Right? Yeah. So do you ever feel that way? Uh, it depends on if there's a lot times there are, you know, subjects that pop up that, you know, you, you end up being on a 24-hour cycle if there's a, you know, an issue or, or that needs to be resolved quickly and sometimes that requires to be more connected. Um, but in many cases, I think I've, I've worked to be able to disconnect and not have that multitasking. I think some of the worst feeling in the world as a, as a parent is when you finally get, you know, a, a child or, you know, or if you have a spouse that's talking to you about their day and if you're just nodding your head and you're thinking about what you're eating <laughs> <laughs> it's not a good use of your time for either case. Right. It's a great time to you know spend and really listen, but you're actually not accomplishing anything on that email at the time. So, um, you know, I think it's I think it takes some discipline. Um, and uh, you know, I do put the I do put the phone in another room when I walk in the door, and I I, I do read old school physical books so that I'm not looking at a screen uh, that could be easily distracted and going down the rabbit hole of email or social media. All right, so I did have gotten the sense that you're very disciplined. So I want to know more because I will leave my phone upstairs. Mm-hmm. I'm in the kitchen. Yep. My body's longing for it. Right, right? right. It's not actually there. Sure. So um, you know, what what would you do in your minds to un? Unravel that desire to be where your feet aren't. Right? I want to yeah. be where my feet are. That's sure. my goal. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. I think it just takes practice. I guess. Um, you know. I think it's. Um, you know. I think you have to find ways of, of creating triggers in yourself to make sure that you're not. You know. You're not kind of diverting back to old habits. And I. Um, you know. We have we have a program um, at Johnson Johnson, a company that we own called the Human Performance Institute, that does a lot of lifestyle coaching and training, and. Um, um, especially for executives who are, you know, trying to manage their energy in the right way. And, um, you know, I've taken that course, I think, four times now over the course of the, the years that we've had it. And each time I learn something new that ends up being a, a trigger to help you um, get your energy and focus right. Um, one of the first ones I remember learning was I uh, came up with the trigger of when you hit the garage door button in your car, that means you're transitioning from work to home. And it was a reminder each time as you're walking in the door not to be carrying you know what was going on in, in the dialogue in your brain into the into the house, and I think you know for you it would be finding what are those triggers to make sure that you can you know be really focused on what you're doing versus thinking about what you're not. I love that. Um, that's such a great picture. 
in my head of right. like that moment where it's like, okay, I'm ready to fold this away and open the next chapter of my day. Sure. Um, we don't have an electric garage door. Our house is like 100 years old, so I can't use that one. But I, I can find something else. Sure. Like maybe it's like closing the laptop, yeah. right? Um, it's some sort of active yeah. moment where I'm saying that um, I'm putting this to bed and starting something else. Yeah, and it's not you know you're not going to find you know that you're perfect all the time and everything like that. But it's a while of finding something to take you back to center. You know, to, to make you realize that you're doing it again. Mm -hmm. So um, I've established for myself in my head. I need to draw pictures in my head. This bucket system of the things that are important to me. Mm -hmm. um, so I have like my, my kids bucket. I don't mean like just making the breakfast, like that idea of like spontaneous mm -hmm. fun things with kids is my sure. bucket. And yeah, um, them alive. yeah like <laughs> that's going to happen, right? right? That's, um, but that's doesn't like fulfill me the way like going, you know, to a trampoline park does right, right, right. with them. So I have that kids bucket and of course I have my work bucket and um, I have a real, real housewives, like Bravo TV reality binge watching right, bucket. Right. Um, I do have a husband bucket, sure, right? Um, of course, I mentioned him after <laughs> yeah. my Bravo reality TV. But um, it helps me, like, because I know I can't do everything every day. It helps me sort of um, get alignment on, like, mm -hmm. what feels empty. Sure. Um, do you have, like, any system for that, like, as you move through your days and weeks and lots of travel and pressures of work to be able to stay focused on things that are important? Yeah. I, you know, I'm a big kind of to-do list person and, and have, you know, things that are, you know, urgent to-do list, but also, like, longer-term one, um, you know, I do um, journaling relative to workouts. So, in a physical, written, you know, not a not an app or anything mm -hmm. like that to write down um, that and how I'm feeling and you know, energy and, and everything. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think I, I check back in against a lot of those objectives fairly often. And um, you know, this this uh, Forms Institute training has it. You end up writing kind of your personal mission, what what is going to lead you there. And you know, I use a lot of those um, reminders to kind of come back to and say, hey, am I, you know, when I look back at the last few months, am I living into that? Right. Um, so, I, you know, I don't think it's, it's not as, uh, it's not as quantitative as, uh, you know, measuring one against the other, but I think it's a matter of checking in as, are you, you know, missing something in life that, you know, as you pick your head up every once in a while. Um, I love the fact that you said you actually journal, like, physically with, like, with a pen and a notebook. Mm -hmm. I, um, from time to time, keep a food journal that way because I also write, like, that I woke up exhausted or mm -hmm. that I went to bed late or, like, yeah. whatever it is or that I have a headache or whatever. Yeah. Um, and it is very meditative. Sure. And I do yeah. chronicle my workouts in that as yeah. well. Um, obviously, it's mindful for eating, but um, also to get a sense of, like, well, why is this week feeling so hard? Oh, because you've been eating not good things and not sleeping. Mm -hmm. um, and it helps me, like, recalibrate. Sure, yeah. yeah. Um, I don't use an app for it. I feel like I, I want to keep it that little notebook. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so let's talk about with our last few minutes. Um, you know, you're running this section of J&J &J that is very physically separate from J&J, &J, right? Mm -hmm. um, geographically, what are your goals and your hopes for your role there and what you are able to accomplish at the company? Yeah, I, I mean, I think we have the right to be, you know, the most successful hair care business in the world. Um, I think we have uh, some great brands to start off on. Obviously, we have a scale of Johnson & Johnson, you know, behind us to be able to, you know, leverage across the world. I think when you have smaller businesses where you start getting challenged with growth or scale issues, supply chain, distribution, those type of uh, challenges. And, and now we have, you know, a global, you know, 
um, you know, multinational kind of behind this business to be able to to scale it. Um, and I also think we're starting with brands and businesses that are at the forefront of the way consumers are choosing brands today. Smaller indie brands that are focused in on, um, you know, global ingredients and, you know, beauty in kind of a new light. And um, we have an amazing team down at Vogue. I mean, an amazing, passionate team that does work in a different way. Um, social media managers are on the platforms all the time. People who work with influencers, creative designers, you know, the craftsmen who work on product that are just, you know, amazingly talented in how they develop these ingredients. And um, I think in the way that we uh, develop product, I think is the way that consumers want to, you know, want them to be made for them. Um, and so yeah, we have, we have really bold ambitions. Um, you know, it's a, it's a global business. We've, you know, launched into Brazil, we've launched into China. We are, we are, you know, um, scaling it around the world. And, um, while I was at meeting with our target buyer yesterday, last week I was with DM in Germany and talking to them about the business. And so, um, you know, we think we have a right to really kind of take over the hair care world. And um, as you're traveling the world looking for those opportunities in marketplace, in market, different marketplaces, um, what white space do you think OGX specifically is filling in those markets that are not here? Well, I think consumers are looking for brands that are more tailored around ingredients and products that are designed specifically for them. Mm-hmm. And um, I think we all thought personalization was coming to consumer goods and the give me a sample of your DNA and you know it will say Jody on the bottle and all that kind of stuff. But I think what the, what's really happening is the proliferation of brands, ingredients, understanding, you know, getting down to what your hair type is and making it easily discoverable. I think is where OGX ends up coming into you know the marketplace because when you're standing in front of our shelf and you see coconut milk or coconut curls and argan oil and biotin and collagen, they'll speak to you about strengthening or moisturizing in you know a very specific way against what your hair care needs are. But it's not you know necessarily led by the brand. It's led by the benefit and mm-hmm. the ingredients that consumers are looking for. Um, and so I think it, uh, I think it's on trend with what, how consumers are choosing their products these right. days. Yeah. So um, when you describe how the benefits and ingredients speak to the consumer, um, it's in a, oddly for a business, very direct way, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Like we're, we're most often being spoken to by brands in a very emotional way, sure. right? Or very marketing way or whatever, mm-hmm. and not direct. Yes. This is sounds sort of like the opposite. Yes. I, I would say the, if you got into like our culture of our company, it's the same in the way that the, the brands translate the consumers. We're product junkies. I mean, we love looking at products, looking at new technologies, finding ways to deliver, you know, great benefits. And so that message, I think, comes through very authentically mm-hmm. to consumers that we found an ingredient that is, you know, does a great job on curls and, you know, moisturizes in just the right way. And so that's what we put on the front of the package and in the story on the front versus trying to, you know, trick them into, you know, an, an emotional connection relative to the uh, relative to the product. Right. I mean, I guess it's like a refreshing simplification of mm-hmm. like yeah. everything else that's happening out there. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you so much for joining us yes. today. I'm so grateful you shared your wisdom with us and with me specifically so I can think about what my, my trigger is yeah, for when I transition from work to family every day. Um, and for our listeners, I hope you enjoyed this interview with Mike. Please subscribe to our series on iTunes. And for updates about the show, follow us on Instagram at Where Brains Meet Beauty Podcast. 
Thanks for listening to Where Brains Meet Beauty with Jody Katz. Tune in again for more authentic conversations with beauty leaders.